1: Welcome to the Fargo podcast the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron and today we're back for a final wrap-up episode of Fargo season 5. Aaron I know we got a fair amount of feedback to get through. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on the season as a whole before we get to that stuff or we just gonna give the listeners a say?
0: I don't think I have much in the additional way of thoughts. I do want to, before we get to everybody, uh, let everybody know that we're currently doing True Detective. We're uh, in between episode two and three on that. It's airing on HBO Max right now. Uh, if you like kind of hard-boiled true crime Fargo-adjacent content, uh, we're having a lot of fun over there talking about uh, Jodie Foster and company freezing their asses off in the, the, the inky blackness of wintertime Alaska. Uh, The other thing I want to make you guys aware of is Jim and I are doing, I think, our seventh annual 24-hour movie marathon for charity next weekend, Groundhog Day weekend. That's the February 2nd, starting at noon. That's a Friday till Saturday at noon. We're going to be watching almost every Spider-Man movie in existence uh, and raising money for the Cure Alzheimer's Fund, something that's got a big personal significance to me. If you would like to help us raise charity for a great cause uh please join us you can find out the details the schedule where you can watch and where you can donate at groundhog.baldmove.com okay okay now i think we're ready to talk about fargo uh jim you're up first with zach's email
1: okay yeah zach says overall i like the characters in this season but i felt at times like the story or plot struggled to keep up the munch wrap-up was weak and felt tacked on oh oh you're making enemies zach wrapped bat uh, all he needed was food created with love eye roll emoji can't believe that anyone in that room didn't know they were in mortal danger I think there's an interesting story to be told about Munch an immortal who believes he was created from sin who wanders the world until he can come to grips with how he feels or sorry how he sees himself and comes to some acceptance with his life and fate however the one scene they gave us full of sugary platitudes was not it as far as uh, d- do you want to talk about that first because that continues yeah. on a different point here.
0: I think it's and this is something I guess I didn't pick up on or I don't agree with the idea that Wayne was oblivious in that scene to the danger. This is interesting because
1: I saw some takes on it that say he was purposely run, running interference here.
0: And I could see that, but I also but my personal opinion is he was kind of oblivious. Huh. Okay, so we're a house where the bald moves a house divided. I saw a man who's clearly, rec- I mean, I don't think, like, um, I don't think he recognized the danger when he's sitting there talking to Munch. So if you want to say some weirdo comes into it, but like, you know, at that point, he's got to be clued into Dot's history, you know, she mm-hmm. knows that she's hung out with some weird people, uh, not all of them are bad, like Gator, I mean, a Gator's kind of dangerous, but he's, you know, what I'm saying... Mm-hmm. Um. So this weird, stinky guy walks in and says he wants to talk to his wife. So Wayne takes him in the living room and kind of keeps him company. I think there's definitely parts where Wayne's eyeballs click. Uh, and you can see that he, like, I don't think Scotty is aware of the danger, but, like, he understands that his family's in some kind of danger. Um, But I think he's doing what he can, you know? Like, he's Wayne. It's yeah. like he's asking... Not an action hero. Our, yeah, asking Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando, it's like, well, instead of shooting all these in the third act, why don't you like get a card table out and do some diplomacy, dude? Mm-hmm, why don't mm-hmm. you like charm them or turn up your Midwest knives? And he's a Teutonic death machine. Yeah. You can ask him to do all that. Wayne is the opposite of that, and he's doing what he can to give his wife emotional space, uh, to defuse the situation, to. Um, you know, to kind kind of redirect things towards, like, a more... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm drinking the Wayne Kool-Aid. But, yeah. So what is... You, I mean, I guess the case for him being oblivious is just watching the show. Yeah. Like, he, I mean,
1: that, that's a plain reading of it, I think, um, is that, yeah, he's just oblivious. Because, I mean, he's still... You know, you might say he still has brain scramblies. I don't know. He's kind of just back to being Wayne for the most part there. Uh, but, yeah, Wayne... I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would call Wayne oblivious necessarily. In most cases, I I think he's. Hmm.
0: I don't know how to describe Wayne exactly. Wayne is a vibe, I guess. Uh. So uh, there's one email that I had to cut for time. Uh-huh. Who opined that because he has a problem with this too, and I, you know this was the stand-in for the all Wayne. We got a lot of like I don't. I thought it was. I didn't buy that Wayne so oblivious. And he said one fix would be if you took Wayne and like did everything right, but then at the end, after you have old Munch's beautiful smile, you see the cops come in and arrest him, as and Dorothy is called, leg. yeah, because he has in the background mm. as dorothy's been sparring, the tiger's been sparring with the uh, the lion in the den, he's sure. called the cops and yes, that would Could've fix that. the Wayne oblivious problem, but it would also wreck the entire moral message that holly's been carefully constructing throughout the whole season so totally and and i don't think there's a problem with wayne being oblivious is this a problem
1: if wayne is just like not seeing the danger here because like in my mind wayne's first thought is never someone's going to be violent against us or there's any danger here he wants to be you know jovial and and mannered with everyone it's just not I guess in, I his, like, in his envelope of things that could happen, violence. And I know they've been through a lot right now. That's what I was going to come be, back to. Maybe, like, but he's Wayne.
0: <laughs> it says something about a man to go through the things that he went through in the last year and then to still, like, you know, like, okay, he's uh-huh. a privileged rich boy living in Minnesota. Hasn't faced a lot of adversity. Probably hasn't ever been feared for his life. That guy's gone. Or he should be. So it's like, I don't know, do I think that Dot is bore is is, is, is like shacked up with a guy with a fi, like a fifth grade mentality. I, I guess that says something about Dot that I don't like. I mean it's valid okay. reading. I just yeah and, yeah. and and the only the only thing I'm doing is I'm picking up I'm picking up like some, some tightness around the eyes where uh-huh. and some like, you know, some some nervous pattern rather than just Midwest nice pattern patter. Um, and
1: sometimes that's but I could it. Be wrong. Like you can latch onto that, and you can say, "Yeah, this is this is part of this performance," you know?
0: Um, yeah. No, I I think like, to that it's be that valid lacking in social. Way. Yeah, just to be that lacking in social awareness of <laughs> uh-huh. and grace, and you could, yeah. I would almost buy it if he was sheltered from the violence of last season. Uh-huh. Like, the, the, just Wayne just can't comprehend that people are this bad. If 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 Dot was successful and completely hermetically sealing her family into a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And only she was exposed to danger, but like, nah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that whole invasion changed change that. For sure, I think
1: so. uh, I'm with you there. Which is, you know, it doesn't speak to what Zach was talking about here with old Munch, right? Because he thinks the final part with old Munch here was a little too saccharine, a little too, uh,
0: you know, kind of wishing into the wind sort of thing. I mean, you're not wrong. It's a happily ever after yeah. fairy tale ending. It's a magical thinking ending, but it's also one that he's been carefully constructing since outing old Munch as a sin eater in like what the second episode, the third episode. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. I mean, if you don't like the ending, then this whole you might say the acting's good and all, but like this whole season must be a failed exercise to you because that's just what he was pitching this season
1: yeah and on in, um, in some regard I agree with Zach I think like if you look at it realistically what we need is not just you know what we need to combat the problems that they're describing here is not simply a, one person loving another person if everyone loved everybody else sure that would take care of this problem but to get out of the hole we're in I think it takes a hell of a lot more than a fresh made biscuit yeah oh for sure uh, so I, I, I see where you're coming from Zach on that certainly uh, and then he goes on as far as uh, Miss Lion being evil I think the answer is yes the only good person outside of Dorothy and Wayne is Wit he acts out of duty and compassion he sadly attempts to arrest John Ham instead of extracting vengeance and of course we saw where that led him uh, Wit leads the rescue team not for glory but because he wants to ensure that Dorothy is safe and not shot he is the person the world
0: needs it's interesting about um yeah we have some more takes on the whole wit situation the whole mrs lion being evil coming up it's interesting because i think it dovetails into a meta conversation that's kind of sort of happening on that true detective podcast we're having where um you know i've almost completed a full rewatch of season one of true detective and we're in the middle of season four of true detective and um at no point i think would anyone ever disagree that the male detectives on true detective are pretty terrible people they're self-described bad men i certainly wouldn't disagree with that yeah but yet like i thought the bit and true detective as it is is like you're introducing these two ladies the, these two women cops and I think the show is telling me that they're bad people too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they're not um, maybe uh, towering physical manifestations of violence like Woody Harrelson could be in season one. Although Navarro kind of is, I think they're painting her as a person capable of pretty, pretty, uh, pretty effective physical violence. But like a lot of like when I interrogate this, a lot of people is like, "Well, we just you know we want to like and root for these women, and they can't be bad." And I'm like. <laughs> But y'all rooted for Russ and Marty, right? Yeah. And they were bad. Like, are is, is it not kind of infantilizing women and minorities to be like, oh, they have to be paragons of virtue or we won't know how to feel about them? Sure. It's fine when a guy like Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are being, you know, cheating on their wives and sleeping around and doing drugs and alcohol and... Uh, making terrible life decisions that are uh, ruining everybody's lives around them and th- their whole lives and families are disintegrating. I Yeah, like Don Draper. Because they're doing uh, good Tony police Soprano. work, right? Don Draper's doing great ad work. He, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's kind of crushing the things he's crushing, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of things being crushed by that as well. And I don't yeah. know, I just feel like the inability to say Mrs. Lion is a Lowercase evil, or or like a a, and and there's like there's a lot of meta discussion about like, well, you saying collection of debt is evil? Uh, no, no, but no. I think you can collect debts in an evil manner. Yes, I just think sometimes people really screen lock when it comes to women and minorities put in villainous positions to be like they're. Hmm. I don't know why. I don't. I I well, no, I, I suspect that if there's some there's some liberal discomfort in. You know, women minorities huh, yeah. being bad, but they must have good reasons. I mean the Magneto has good reasons. Sure. Okay? He's still evil. If Magneto <laughs> is in my town and he's sinking the metal boat that I'm on because he's doing some terrorist attack against humanity, I will go down yes, cursing the senators who passed the anti mutant act. Mm-hmm. And yes, the the my fellow men who are making mutants feel like they're dangerous and hunted and wanted and, and, and evil and bad. But also fuck Magneto too, because he's sinking my boat and killing me. Like, yeah,
1: well, everything has to have a bright white line between it right now yeah. in our culture, and I don't, I don't know how we except get for white past men. That.
0: We're allowed to be dark. D- sure, dirt, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just saying that maybe, maybe women can be shit bags, and we can still root for them. They can still do awesome things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're going to crack that case.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's me. Also, uh, we're leaving an Indira and like if, if, if we're talking about only two characters being good as Dorothy and Wayne. And and yeah. wit, uh, Indira.
1: Yeah, she's not. She's not the paragon of virtue. I think that uh, wit shows up to be mostly because I don't like her forsaking her duty as a police officer to go work. I, I understand she has to make money. Very good reasons <laughs> to, yeah. to make money working for the lowercase evil person, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She has very good reasons for it. It's it's just it's not to my taste. Let's say, uh, yeah. even though I. Would be hard-pressed not to make the same decision in her situation. Yeah.
0: All right, well, let's move on to Corbin, who says, I was wondering if Noah Hawley may have been making a point about generational trauma in this season of Fargo. There are a few examples of generational trauma in this season. Of course, Gator as obvious trauma passed down by Roy from the constant abuse he committed on his family. And Roy, for sure, must have experienced the same from his father. The same goes for Karen's likely trauma from Odin. I think Dot's lies to Wayne and Scotty, her uh, attempt preventing the trauma from passing down to her family. We've talked about you know, her hermetically sealing her family away from that. I also think it comes back to old Munch. It's uh, entirely possible that Munch isn't actually 500 years old, but was actually describing a family trauma that passed down the line to him. This might also explain why his story doesn't quite make sense. He might not know exactly how his ancestors came to be in America, but he's pieced together a story from what he does know if the flashback we actually saw was true, that could be Munch's ancestor and sin eating as a generational trauma for him with dot freeing Munch in the final episode, she may have saved him from his own generational trauma while also protecting her family from hers. yeah, I don't know where i I guess that's I came down that I think this season is. Either a parable and nothing makes sense, but the very least, I think Holly was winking at us with Ula Munk's backstory that there is some fabulism going on here. There is some yeah, gotta be. There is some tall tales. There is a man who is unable or unwilling to deal with his actual past and has constructed this elaborate fantasy backstory for himself. Um, yeah
1: and it works you know thematically because this character is essentially a stand in for the acceptance of the system this, this right? you know like I said in the, the wrap up it's our acceptance of the shit that rolls downhill from the rich to the poor mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, and I think <laughs> sometimes it's I feel like it's hard not to tell a story that includes a generational trauma because so much I mean it's it's inherent almost in Uh, our culture and society that that stuff gets passed down and there's so much of it it's like do you have to go out of your way to tell that story or does it just kind of look like it because you're telling a story that (laughs) is set in the setting it's in you know yeah uh to me that was not something he went out of his way to say about generational trauma it was more about yeah the 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 systems that we've put in place like the financial and social systems um yeah And how those are affecting our society. Not necessarily the generational
0: trauma aspect of it. But I think it's... Yeah. And that's a good point, too. The fact that institutions aren't really good or evil. Mm -hmm. Um, They just are. And they can be wielded for good or ill. You can have... You can imagine a police force that is purely a force of good. Mm -hmm. You can imagine a police force, like a state police, secret police, the Stasi, that Mm -hmm. are almost purely a malignant force. They're both police. They're both... Uh, enforcing society's laws on a given population but that can be done in just and unjust evil and good manners and you know um, dodging behind institutions it's like well uh, ultimately people make up institutions and those people get to decide whether those institutions are going to be wielded for good or ill Um, yeah yeah so like I said that's, that's, that's how I'm seeing it anyway
1: we've got an anonymous emailer I don't know if this is legal, but I guess we'll make it legal. Uh, they,
0: they, yeah, there's a lot of personal stuff in here, and they, they asked me to to uh, okay s- scrub their their personal. So yeah, that that makes sense. Um,
1: so anonymous starts off says I didn't realize this entire season was an ultimate wish fulfillment fantasy. Noah Holly called this shot when he introduced Old Munch's backstory so early in the season, rather than waiting until the end of the season to drop in a quote unquote fish NATO. Uh, or supernatural event that was suspiciously magical early on too. Extremely capable and resilient, like a character in a fairy tale. Previous seasons of Fargo were grim fairy tales about wishes unfulfilled and debts unpaid too, but this season fulfilled wishes and paid debts off. I didn't like this season initially, especially when it became clear Holly was going to deal with domestic violence and abuse. But the season finale episode pushed every wish fulfillment button in such an unexpected way. It's making me reconsider all five seasons of Fargo as perhaps Noah Hawley's magnum opus on par with the wire He's telling the same story as the wire that America has broken at a very fundamental level uh, And systemic level but in such a monumentally different way In a different socio-economic political system people like dot wouldn't need wealthy billionaire fairy godmothers people like old munch wouldn't turn to crime to eating sin to avoid going hungry People like Roy Tillman wouldn't thrive as much as they do. People like Deputy Whitfar wouldn't have to die for literally no good reason. People like Indira wouldn't need to go to work for a wealthy billionaire fairy godmother just to keep her car in her house too, presumably. Uh, every wish is ultimately fulfilled, especially old Munch, who took his adopted mother's coat and unexpectedly got real warmth and good food from Dot. She fulfilled a wish he didn't even know he had with a biscuit. It's incredible and moving. It's pure fantasy. As a victim and survivor like Dot, I can say that the violence that Dot experienced as a child does not go away. Violence experienced by adults also does not go away. Violence is ugly that way. Dot's miraculous capability and unbelievable self-sufficiency, no one but another victim survivor can possibly know how intense that fantasy is. To be able to fight back and get away, I'm crying as I write this. Did Noah Holly interview actual survivors? That fantasy hit home. Dot being called daughter by a woman not her mother, and that woman meaning it? As an orphan, yep, check that box too. That wish hit home. The system lining up to help Dot rather than putting her in danger, as the system often does, wish fulfilled. Using the prism of debt, Noah Holly has literally been following the money since season one to talk about race, class, gender, and money in America. I don't think Noah Hawley is saying he believes the current system will do the right thing. If I follow his thesis from season 1 to season 5, it seems to me he's saying the exact opposite.
0: Um, David Simon always said that his I guess the message from the wire is that yes, institutions will fail you. You can only rely on individuals in your community, you know, direct quote-unquote direct action. Um but I don't know. Like I I I want to I want to push back on the idea of seeing America as broken because I feel like that implies like, oh, it's got to be thrown away. It can't be fixed where, you know, it's kind of like um uh, this Terry Pratchett book. I think I can't remember which one it is. One is Discworld books. Uh, the character of death has this speech where he talks about the way humans see each other. Um, in Judeo-Christian world we're seen as kind of like fallen angels right we had uh, Mm -hmm. a state of perfection in the Garden of Eden and we fucked up and we threw it away Uh, the material world tells us actually we're rising apes you know we come from these tribal bands of animals that beat each other with sticks and you know we we filled the earth and we're going to space and we are actually attaining that angelic perfect status And I think that's the same thing with institutions, too. You know, um, America has been around for over 200 years now, 247 years now. Um, And it's been more broken and it's been more functional. Um, And I think if we, you know, I I think that's where David Simon's wrong, that if we individually and collectively – decide that we're not going to put up with the systems and institutions we can reform them. we can change and we can make them better mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean as far as what she's saying about the the violence and the the wish fulfillment here uh and the the f- kind of fairy tale like the fairy godmother um i think that's a mm-hmm. good way to view um lorraine
1: yeah this is sort of a um almost a, a parable or a yeah, grim fairy tale. Uh, I I think I agree with that. I think, look, I I kind of revere the Wire as a very special show, so I have like an initial initial sort of uh, reflexive withdrawal from the statement that this is on par with the Wire. Um, mostly because I don't see. Any real flaws in the wire eh, uh, There's maybe a season or two that's not quite as good As the rest but season five Season sure, five is a little bit sure. of a letdown. down <laughs> <laughs> but, but It's it's in a Very different way I, I see what you're Saying if, if this connects with you In the way that it seems to connect With you um, whether it's Simply because you enjoy the subject matter Or you have personal experience with it um, I Could see this being a very important series and I Do think This is certainly Noah Hawley's finest work. I've enjoyed Fargo quite a bit, not just because, you know, of the Home Alone, big Lebowski-style stuff that I thought I was going to get from it, which I've gotten plenty of over the seasons, uh, but also, yeah, those tales that he's telling, those fantasies
0: he's spinning. The only thing I guess I would push back is, I it might be because I haven't seen him in a long time, but... I don't see a cohesive narrative for like the first two seasons of Fargo, the way like hmm, okay. you know The Wire each each one yeah, yeah. had like you know season one was all about you know the the, the crime side of things, uh, and season two is all about the the uh, the, the union and the, um, the the loss of jobs and economic devastation, and like season four is mm-hmm. about the education system, season five is about the journalism. Um, the, the, the rot I think season three is about like p- crossing line like police crossing lines um, maybe um, but definitely like increasingly yeah this is Noah Hawley's kind of doodle board for like you know talking about the things that he's like worried about or wants to say something about the country um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it seems like yeah going forward that's what's I, I don't know about that in season one or two but season three four and now five definitely have those themes um, yeah and I like think he was searching
1: be- for it more than David Simon was right David Simon set out with an idea to yeah. to make this particular thing and it feels like Noah Hawley has found his way sort of you know through the Coen's and their influences yeah. in, into his own voice here but he definitely uh, started out with like
0: a Coen-esque voice yeah he was making kind of a fun crime yep. you know with, with, with beautiful imagery and great acting and uh but but also a lot of Cohen Easter eggs and stuff like that. It's it's become a lot more sharp and focused like he's sharpening his pencil as he yeah. goes, you know, each each season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see like I, you know, um, this is the one show that we cover where at the end we're not sure if there'll be more. You know, sometimes we do that because they, the show might get canceled. Sure. But like there's always a plan like, you know, Foundation season two. We expect that there's going to be a season three, you know, House of Dragons season one. You expect there's going to be a season. It could be canceled, but there's more story to tell you know, Holly could go in another five years and come up with something else, or this might be the mm-hmm. last Fargo we ever get. It, it'll be interesting. And like I said, I, I do wonder if like he'll ever go back to just telling another kind of silly Fargo story. Or if they'll all have these like greater yeah. meanings going forward.
1: Oh, I can't imagine this will be the last idea he has for a season of Fargo, whether or not it gets made. Because I, I look at the way things are changing so rapidly in our culture. Mm. It, it's almost certain to... Any thinking person would have ideas... Sparked by this. So, I, I don't know whether that gets made or not in the future. I'm interested to see.
0: I will say that um, the ratings this season are down to like 500,000 households. Um,
1: yeah. So it like, doesn't bode I, well. I, I
0: know that the, you know, um, uh, the, 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 for like Fargo led with a million people watching it last season. I think the lowest that dipped was 800. And It's been, you know, 500 and below. So it's like, that's the only thing I worry about is like, is FX going to Mm -hmm. continue to see the value to green lighting these things? Right. Um, You had a show that was getting five, 6,000 people, five, six million people watching it. And it's been struggling to pull a one share on that. So we'll see. You're listening to Fargo with Bald Move. We'll be right back. Here's What's new in premium content for our club members? This week, Jim's away, so the producer will play. That's right, it's time for another fabulous lunch with Talitha and Aaron. Not only do we have an alternate host lineup, we also are doing it on an alternate day. Lunch will be served on Wednesday. All that plus the usual bullshit for me, served live or catch the podcast version out later that day.
1: We're about a month out from the kickoff of Badass Fest 6, so get your tickets now while available at slash live. Come watch an outrageously badass mystery film with us. Grab another snack and beverage from the theater's fully stocked bar. Then get back in your seat for a live recording of the accompanying podcast. Get more info and tickets at baldmove.com slash live.
0: If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad free feeds. Welcome back to Fargo on Bald Move. Let's move on to David F. Says, it seems like people gave up comparing Gator to Jack Skellington. I didn't see the similarities much at all, but I haven't heard anyone talk about the most obvious similarity between the two. Gator literally has a skull with no eyes. Not sure if this is part of what Holly was getting at, but it felt weird that I didn't hear anyone else talk about something so on the nose. I See, this is where, like, when i go back and i think about noah holly's interviews where he talks about um gator and jack skellington and like there's a lot of similarities I, i'm not buying it i don't see it i don't see it i don't see it at all
1: yeah i'm trying to think we recently so i recently watched this movie for the first time i'm trying to what peg. would you say jack's arc is in that movie that, that's the thing i i don't think he has a huge arc like he He comes back roughly to the same place where he was before, kind of. Um, So he's a guy who's bored with Halloween. He discovers, hey, there's another holiday out there. Let me experiment with it. And he does that and it goes catastrophically wrong. And he has to fix the fuck up he made. And then he's back to being the king of Halloween, except he's now enjoying it. I mean, his arc is he goes from being bored by Halloween to enjoying Halloween through the lens of Christmas. It's about like creative burnout you know? essentially yeah <laughs> yeah which wow on a movie that took so many years and so much dedication <laughs> to produce whoo i can imagine they were feeling that by the end but yeah is, so, yeah. is gator experiencing that because that's not
0: i don't really see much of that arc in gator that's what i'm saying that that's exactly what i was thinking that i do not yeah like i mean if you had a really thirty thousand feet view, a character making a choice and going down a path that he later regrets or he didn't fully think through, and then trying to reverse course and but there it's like, okay, but none of that really happened, you know or, yeah i I don't think Gator came to a change of heart because he's like, Oh, I see the error of my ways. He literally was blinded and then abandoned by his father. And even then, if he went to the right side of the tunnel and walked out and walked into the open arms of the Boogaloo Boys, would he have... You, know, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I just didn't buy the change of heart. He might have a change of heart in prison. I don't know if Dot keeps bringing him her soul-saving cookies. But, yeah, Jack yeah, Skeleton, I, I don't see it. I mean, he had a change of heart. It just wasn't the same kind of change of heart that
1: Skellington had because yeah. Skellington looked at his life and and said i've been taking this for granted that's not what gator thinks at the end of this
0: yeah i think it's um i I, honestly i think the um, the nightmare before christmas stuff is just this season of fargo was kind of a halloween christmas crossover Mm -hmm. the way the nightmare before christmas was i don't think it's any deeper than that i think um, you're right i really don't
1: all right let's move on to dominic from levittown Says, I just finished listening to the finale podcast and I wanted to comment on your thoughts regarding how to podcast a show. Uh, good. I need some out- outside perspective, man. I'm getting myopic, taking it for yeah. granted. Uh, you talk about how doing an hour long podcast for every 15 minutes of a movie would be counterproductive. Of course it would. But I don't think that's the issue with doing weekly podcasts. I felt the podcast had become more critical for the sake of criticism. What I mean is, I've heard you guys say you've liked 95% of an episode. Then take 75% of the podcast complaining about the 5%. We get it. You didn't like X. What's the point of taking so much time on it that the listener doesn't get to hear about the 95% of the episode that you did like? Perhaps I'm mellowing in my old age. Solid gen X are here. But there's enough complaining in the world without adding it to it on my favorite podcast. I feel ya. Uh, this is a hard nut to crack. And we we have actively talked about this because we recognize it in our own podcasts. Like it's just so much easier to it, well, it's so much easier to talk about something you don't like. And I think that's true for a couple of reasons. A, um, you have strong feelings about this thing. And you might have super strong feelings about stuff you like too, but B, you can di- you can pull that apart and dissect it and talk about what went wrong and how to make it better. And I think the problem-solving part of my brain always gravitates to that. I'm a, a programmer by nature. I dig into problems, and I I hold them up, and I spin them around, and I say, okay, what is the cause of the issue here? And then I try and pull it apart and and put it back together in a way that works. And for me, that is kind of the heart of why I talk about the things I don't like more than I talk about the things I do like. And it's, it's a case of, like, there's the saying, like, oh, it's great, no notes. No notes Mm. implies I have nothing to add to this. This is great as it is, leave it alone, don't do anything. And so that takes two seconds to say, whereas it takes 10 minutes to properly dissect what you think is wrong and what could have been done better.
0: Yeah, and especially when um, – I think when people are in agreement – it's it's not just even like good stuff bad stuff it's like when people are in agreement and simpatico it's like you went to see john wick john wick is fucking awesome totally dude that part where he stabbed a dude in the eye with the pencil oh my god what about the time where he like shot the guy's knees off blew top is oh fucking awesome conversation's done Mm -hmm. but if you're like in that and you're like fucking john wick is sick man i don't like it what you, what about the time with pencil? Ah, uh, you know, I, I just don't know if the pencils can do. Like, you're already double the length of the conversation. But also, that could happen, you know, if, if you both agree that, like, this movie was shit. Oh, my God, it's so stupid. Wasn't it stupid? Yes. Oh, I totally agree. Wasn't it stupid? Oh, I totally agree. I don't think that thing was stupid. Anytime there's disagreement, and sometimes when well, I'm it, sitting here. It can here, be
1: even with the filmmaker themselves, right? Because the filmmakers always think exactly. they've made a good movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm watching, when I'm, when I'm, uh, I, like, my, I am a huge Alan Suppenwall fan and when I read a couple days in advance I don't have screeners for Fargo when I read a couple days in advance that he thinks this is like a clear return to Fargo it's so fun and funny and all this and that and it's like I'm like hyped to watch it and I think it lived up to the hype eventually but Alan watched all 8 episodes before he was able to make his judgment that's where it's like there's what Jim and I have been saying about like the disagreement, and that takes longer to hash out than when everyone is unified singing praises. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing, but it's ex- exacerbated when you might have a few weaker set up, disconnected things up front to build to the superior thing that you want to get to. And it's not fair. Just like, you know, I've read some m- books that are like super long and boring objectively, but I'm so glad I read them because. <laughs> the world it put me in or the 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 conclusion it led me to draw at the end or the emotional resonance was deeper than, you know, reading a Star Wars book. It's like eating cotton candy, right? Sure. Um, but it'd be it, like I said, it would suck that every chapter of that book to be like, oh my God, it's the first chapter. Who the fuck are these people? They're just talking, talking, talking. What the hell's the point? Like and then you get to like chapter thirty nine, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I see and that's where it's like the inter- this Fargo is the intersection of both. I felt like we had beef with the critical community, the fan community, and the showrunner himself and how he is structuring things. And at the end, uh, yeah, so it's like if, if I had not did a single podcast until I finished the finale, I'd have been like, damn, this is a really good, interesting season of Fargo, and let's talk about it. But because I'm having to do week by week... So I, I don't know what the answer, because I, I, I talked to one of my colleagues when we were at a podcast get-together once. We were at, a, at some kind of con. I can't remember what it was. Uh, and I'm not gonna name names, but I was talking, because I know we were both covering the same show, and I was surprised when I was talking to them that you know they were a lot more simpatico, because we kind of were shitting on the show, and some other people were like, you know, praising it, whatever. And I'm like, wow, I'm kind of really, it's like, I'm surprised you know from your coverage that you feel this way and they're like well yeah i just choose you know i just choose the things to talk about you know yeah. i got all this negative stuff i to talk about but i got all this positive stuff i talk about and i'm going to choose to talk about the positive stuff leave the negative stuff on the table i don't know how to do that man i really don't like i don't have mm-hmm. a filter That's on my mouth and at, yeah. between yeah. my brain that, that i don't early know early how analogy. like to just ignore that to me yeah feels like not having an honest, interesting conversation. Yep. And that I prior, I prioritize, or I value that much above comedy, I guess, getting along. I agree. Uh, uh, I don't I like... want to be understood deeply rather than agreed with superficially.
1: Sure. Yeah. I can absolutely understand that. I, I don't like... Censorship and I don't want to self Censor and that's what I feel like I'm doing if I Just choose to if I if I Cherry pick what I talk about you know Yeah I'm with you So that said I think It is still a problem because from the audience's Perspective I'm A hundred percent here with Dominic I think it is kind of a bummer When we say we like something And then go on 75% of the Podcast about a small Fraction of the stuff we don't like
0: yeah I don't know how to
1: successful. I don't know how to honestly change that i exactly yeah if you I can know just, how to like, change it that. but mm-hmm. <laughs> am i am I gonna be betraying myself or
0: feel like I'm betraying myself to change it just to produce a, a better long, quote unquote podcast and, and and also like and I might be full of shit, but like I think one of the reasons we've built a very strong community is because we've spent like over a decade talking our opinions good and bad and like people know and trust us like it's interesting yeah that's crucial I love looking at our stats when we've had uh like when when the rose is falling off the bloom of a show where like (laughs) you know like the show that was good and then started having problems and you know now everyone's talking about the problems I always see like our finale and like wrap-up podcast I have like two three four times the downloads the rest of season and i think it's because we have the reputation for if you've got a problem with the show this is the podcast to go to hear it on, to hear an honest airing of it yeah know? just
1: calling it like it is not yeah all cut,
0: the shows are doing interviews with the producer and have a star lined up for <laughs> finale <laughs> right. they're not going to tell you the unvarnished truth we will so, in the long term, I think it but like in the short term, sometimes we just, yeah, we piss people off. Like, I came here because I'm a fan of this show and you guys are shitting on it. What the fuck? I'll find some place that is more. I get it. Yeah, I get it. And sometimes so it we're is, straight up wrong.
1: wrong, too. I'll throw that True. out there. True. I'm not above True. saying. True.
0: <laughs> sometimes I just get it. I read it wrong. Or well, we don't like, like, I, some people don't like, I, there's people that don't like well cooked steak. Or think it's an immoral <laughs> oh, thing to now eat. Now we got to talk about what well cooked means. Exactly. So it's like it's so know.
1: subjective, right? That's the other thing in this business, whatever that means. Uh, we're
0: talking about things that are so subjective. Yeah. See, look, Dominic. If you just come in and say, "Hey, love the podcast, big fan," we'd have been done in thirty seconds. We've, we've been talking <laughs> like ten minutes about this email because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> there's room to disagree. Uh, Tony S. from Arizona says, I got bones to pick with this finale slash season. So we spent an entire episode, uh, episode nine, table setting for a firefight that never really happens. It's the Moby Dick of prestige television. But in this one, Holly isn't trying to emphasize the futility of obsession or some other anticlimax that makes this make sense. Why stage a huge showdown and dedicate an entire scene to federal officers banting, bantering and giving wit a SWAT team and having Roy meet them at the gates, posting a call to arms online to get the strike force to assemble. Just delay a big fart in the finale episode. Let's hmm. take this first. Okay. Um, and by big
1: fart, he means not showing this
0: massive yeah. showdown that was set up. Yeah. He wanted to see a whole war, whole ass war this, this episode.
1: Yeah. I'll be honest. I kind of did too. I would have preferred to see that shoot out. Um, is it saying something that we don't see it? Um,
0: well, I, yes, because I'm it,
1: not picking it up, but certainly it does say something.
0: Like one thing that I believe is that you take a fascist authoritarian regime and you leave them to their own devices. You don't have to really defeat them; they'll crumble. <laughs> like in the long term, eventually. Like, yeah. like what took what took Ro- Roy down. Was not the FBI agents I mm-hmm. mean that's who ultimately took him in into continent, But what who brought him down was a combination of Odin And his, his current and ex-wife well, And his, his son obsession with them too right It's himself even Yeah the fact that he puts this call Oh it's America's you know Like you've been buying your, your ration buckets And your doomsday ammo for me Now the day's here come flock the-. No one came mm-hmm. No one came um, I think he's making a point about that being kind of you know lord knows liberals and progressives and whatnot can turn the knives and the firing circles on themselves as well too but like no one's as good as as like a, a good good old fashioned authoritarian fascist you know like that's that's um, they just can't get things done so he might be saying that I don't know what if they threw a secession and no one came Right. So instead, he goes for broke on the wish fulfillment of Roy getting his eternal just... Like, essentially, a, a mortal version of hell. And, you know, Munch gets forgiven his sins by, by Dot. Yeah. So. Uh, Steve DeHare Harrington's redemption arc is that he tattled on his old man. Man, fuck that. Old Munch's box-adopted mother is sleeping with the fishes. Gatorade is offering underage girls as bargaining chips five screen time minutes ago. I think Holly had a vision of Gator Tillman in his head that we never fully saw translate on screen, and Joe Kiri crushed... Or is it Keary? Yeah, Kiri. Crushed mm-hmm. his performance. Nothing against him. Vapes vibes in this city of dry sockets. What? <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah, I think this might be the weakest part of the season. I really don't know that not Holly had quite the fine point to put on Gator's arc
1: yeah I mean it's it's a very simple tale it's a tale of a kid yeah. who saw his father for who he truly was and decided he'd had enough of it but maybe too late yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know it, it's not definitely not the strongest part of the season
0: and then in her subtitle, so far, Whitlong said, <laughs> When Joanna Robinson questioned Noah Hawley about Whitfar's death, he said, This is a true story. It's shown at the beginning of every episode, and in true stories, things are random and sometimes good people die. Inter- interesting perspective on this is a true story con- conversation y'all have been having over the past couple weeks. To interpret that sentence not as this is a story that is true, but rather this is a story that is true to life, which I actually like better because, like you, I thought that stick sch- was tired. But two, sometimes people die as a super shitty explanation of why to kill your moral compass.
1: Yeah, I've, I've said recently, and I can't remember where I said this, but I like my fiction to have a lot of connections in it and and everything to be kind of wrapped up in a neat bow. Not necessarily saying you can't have a messy Ending like uh, burn after reading Kind of thing What did we learn I don't know uh, But 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 for everything to have a point Don't If it doesn't have a point get it out of the script it Doesn't belong there mm-hmm. um, and, and I think yeah that That is a way of saying essentially there was
0: No point to this Yeah I I there's um I promise this is going somewhere, but it's going to take me like 30 seconds to <laughs> lay it out. I like this this series called Epic Rap Battles of History. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> and one of my favorites is uh, George R. R. Martin squaring off against uh, J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And Martin in this teases Tolkien as saying, like, your stories are boring because we all know how they're going to end by page and age four. You know, the good mm-hmm. guys are going to win, the bad guys are going to die. And Tolkien comes back. It's like, you know what, George? You're right. It is it is true to life for people to die randomly, but the genre is called fantasy. Yeah. You know, and it's fiction (laughs) and it's, yeah. Like it's, it's not like enjoy it's, it's, it's true to life, but it's so like, I think that the it's wild for me to hear Noah Hawley on a show. That's about on the face of a 500 year old sin eater. Oh no, no, no. He's a thousand years old. He rode the Vikings, uh-huh. Pre Columbian, spent hundreds of years with the the Native Americans of the Plains. Uh to hear him justify the death of Wilt Farr is like, well, it's a real story. It's got true to life elements. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Pull here's the other leg, pull it, dude. So I, I, I honestly don't I don't know I don't know why Whit Farr died except for if he didn't, it might be seen as unrealistic that none of the good guys die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, if one of the quote unquote good guys die I felt like they should have like a moral flaw or they, they made a mistake well I guess they did well make I, a mistake He, I, I
1: don't ahead. look I don't agree with his assessment here I think Whitfar's mm. death has an obvious point and it's a point that the bad men if you don't combat them in the way that's appropriate and necessary will win will beat you like, yeah. individual, one-on-one, that's what will happen. He will run up to you, he will stab you with a knife because you are too concerned with preservation of life in order to kill this man who obviously needs to be killed in the moment. Yeah. That was the, the point. Paradox. It's not just random. It's not like, oh, yeah, sometimes people die in real life. That's not what Noah Holly is saying at all, or at least that's not what I got out of it. And so for him to
0: say yeah. this in an interview is weird to me. This also could be he's making a point that, like, I'm not being Pollyanna. Good people are going to have to sacrifice to win a struggle in good versus evil, which is also true. Mm -hmm. You know, millions of people died to bring an end to uh, in in the in the course of and in fighting uh, the last time we had a worldwide expansion of fascism, authoritarianism. That sucks, but it's so it's like it could be that like yeah, sometimes people are going to have to die uh, to do to try to make a stand for good in the right way
1: yeah and i didn't see or hear this interview so maybe maybe there's a lot more that he goes on about with wit far Um, and this is just a quote to to justify some part of it but yeah it's a little weird to me all right john g in seattle writes in and says i want to talk about old munch in that final scene because if i can be permitted to go back to david graber's book again he does talk about our long traditions of hospitality there are the ancient types, uh, uh, the ancient traditions of bread and salt, two ancient essential food staples. If you share them with a stranger, you cannot harm one another. This tradition still exists today from the Middle East to Northern Europe. Breaking bread and sharing salt are part of marriage ceremonies, for example. There's an old Arab parable about a thief who is robbing a house and accidentally tastes their salt in the process thinking it's sugar and has to put everything he stole back immediately. This is how people living before states existed, with their monopoly of violence way of maintaining order, created customs of trust, especially around shared meals, in order to have a functioning society. These were so effective and powerful, they survive today. So this final scene is very much in the tradition of Catholic communion, but also the much older origins of how sharing meals communally creates the community. When Munch describes living with the people of the plains and that they were his people, He's describing one such stateless community who had that other kind of debt that bound people together rather than reduce them to numbers on a ledger.
0: Yeah. um, I thought it was interesting because, like, I wonder if uh, – because I need to read this book, this 5,000 years of debt. um, Because, like, it almost seems like he is maybe committing the fallacy of over – like like overestimating the old traditions because you know he talks about like that these were powerful and effective and they survive today and it creates a functioning society that's all true but like you know Game of Thrones famously subverts that bread and salt and I believe all the stuff that happens in Game of Thrones are essentially uh, real historical events with the serial numbers filed off sure so like it's obvious like It's obvious to me that, like, yes, it was a big taboo to violate the bread and the salt, but obviously you could get a giant advantage over someone if you strategically violated those norms here and there. And I think that rich and powerful people have always been strategically violating norms for their benefit, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So it's like, yeah, I, 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 I think maybe we've regressed in a lot of ways of debt, but also these customs that bind us together, I don't think probably are a good solution for a planet eight billion people. Um that yeah, said that's the thing. W- yeah. th- this
1: works to form communities of that scale, but what happens when the community is too large for anyone to really feel connected to it? Yeah.
0: And that's the other it's like if the if the if the solution were as easy as just getting in debt to your neighbor, like go borrow and borrow a rake and then they can borrow like we would all be in the perfect society. The that's problem true. is like We've gone through a lot of rapid change and evolution in, in, in human uh, civilization in the last 200 years. It hasn't even been all across the globe. There are mm-hmm. still places in the globe that are living like it's 500 years ago, and there, are, you know, there's some parts of the globe that are sending rockets into space. So it's not experienced everywhere, everywhere effectively. And also, it's like part of the alienation we're experiencing that being torn from our neighbors is because we don't live in little villages that are self-reliant communities. Yeah, we live in these giant. You know, either we all live out and and kind of still doing that in the rural, but the vast majority of us in this country and most developed countries live in cities where Mm -hmm. we kind of replace that system wholesale with the system of debt and the system of government reliance and all the stuff, you know. So like, I don't know how to rebuild the communities. You know like uh, and, and me being a secular atheist I think that my people have done a lot to destroy those communities <laughs> without replacing them with anything you know mm, it's like uh, yeah, we, yeah. we've destroyed the communities churches and everybody going to church on Sunday and talking about issues that they care about and, and being united in their beliefs and their morals and we've replaced that with just like I don't know, fucking sleep in on Sunday and figure it out yourself we and replaced it with message boards
1: work forums
0: on the internet. That's what we replaced it yeah. with. Uh, and that's where we just sell. we just talk. We talk. There's no debt, there's no services exchanged. It's very easy. yeah, talk is cheap. Yeah. That's what we are that's our whole community is based on talk, right? So yeah, I, fuck, I don't know how to fix that, man. I don't know how to fix the sense of community that's truly the broken thing across the world. Maybe we'll come out with the social media stuff and we just need another 20, 30 years. We can just hold on we'll get all this figured out, maybe, and we'll adapt and I mean, we'll change. Yeah, if you look at that evolution, it kind of happened in microcosm online.
1: You would, In the early internet, you'd have you know your message board or your BBS or whatever where you go and talk yeah. with your community, right? And it was small. There were maybe a couple mm-hmm. hundred people in, in the big forums. Uh, mm-hmm. And that started ballooning, and now we've got social media where everybody's on it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we've lost again that community that was forming online. Yeah, how do we is is there a path forward past that i don't know i don't know it seems it seems like holly wants to say we can rebuild that by just returning to some kind of vibe that we had back when it was all communities of of a smaller size i just don't this is one of the disagreements i guess i have with the end of the season i just don't
0: see it just don't see that being the solution Going back to John G's email about the debt book that started off the this, this like the Back then, those communities had assholes and malcontents and people who were like bucking against the system. But as he pointed out, those people just were murdered. It's like yeah, you're doing weird yeah. shit in the community. We're just gonna we're just gonna hang you. we gonna like you're you're not pulling your weight. You're bitching and moaning, not contributing. We'll just like drag you outside the city and gates and stone you to death. Boom. are we cool with that solution? No, today. No, sometimes those people are
1: complaining about real problems. (laughs) Right, probably. Like, nah, fuck you, we're killing you.
0: The village being an asshole, you know. Like, Uh it's like, Uh hey, I just want to, I just want, I just want to be, I just want to be gay over here. I want to practice my own religion over here. Fuck that witch, you're dying. Like, I, yeah, that's so. It's like, yeah, it's it's return to monkey. As tempting as it always is when traditionalists confront it, it's like not the whole answer because mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to where I don't have toothbrushes and fluoride and vaccinations and my kids are dying of polio and you know I mm-hmm. uh, yeah, one one good drought in my region takes out uh, every every town like I don't want to go back to there so like we. We need new social technology. Our social technology is far being outstripped yeah. by our actual technology. And um, we'll, we'll have to figure that out in the 21st century. If we're going to get to the Star Trek future that we all want. Yeah, I mean, recently. if we did go back to that, what would we even podcast about? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, return to podcast is uh, abandonment of... Uh, the return to monkey is the abandonment of podcast. The guy in the trunk is trying to get
1: out. We'll be right back.
0: We just put the ads in the wood chipper. Welcome back. Rick says, Holly faked this all out by setting the ser- series in late 2019. Everyone thought it would end in early 2020 with some kind of COVID tie-in, but then he pulls the rug out by jumping ahead a year and avoiding any COVID references. I love it when a creator defies expectations like that and avoids the easy plot gimmicks. It does raise the question of why no one was wearing masks in that final scene in prison, though, which should have taken place at the height of COVID. You know... I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's, like, something we've specifically called out, and I think we're even talking, like, as, as, as late as, like, episode six or seven about, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder how this is going to, you know, this is set at the precipice of COVID, and there's a lot of pre-season hype about why that might be, but, like maybe it's just because, yeah, he didn't want to deal with COVID, because clearly you're right, in that prison situation, people should be wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah,
1: especially the visitor uh, portion of of it, because, yeah. I remember end of 2020 uh, 2020 and it was not uh, okay,
0: COVID's over. Let's go back to normal. It's very much still in COVID territory. No, we didn't even have the vaccine until, what, the spring of 2021 for At high risk groups, right? So yeah, for normal people to get, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, let's uh, move over to Andrew in Dallas. Says when Dot shot Roy, I loved the shot of Roy's bloody smile. It reminded me of Malvo's bloody face before finally getting killed by Gus. Can't help but feeling slightly bummed we didn't get to see any physical comeuppance for Roy in prison. Not saying we need to see him get raped, but at the least, uh, the beginnings of a beatdown. Imagine the end of Lion King if Scar wasn't attacked by the hyenas on screen and Simba only told them it was going to happen eventually. Wouldn't have been satisfying. Overall, love the season and it was great bounce back from season four, hoping we never have to leave the Fargo universe and more seasons keep coming.
0: I think Holly knew he was treading delicate ground with oh, yeah. you know his his professed, you know, and, and manifest ethics through his series and what he was tacitly encouraging the audience to see as good. And I'm trying to think of like Da uh Lorraine's triumphant walk to the drums pays off the same if you get like the scar where it's like Roy's yeah. backing up into a corner and there's three scary dudes with dildos approaching him like <laughs> right you know it's like it, it, it's already I was already uncomfortably explicit for me it's like wow yes. Roy's a bad dude but am I It's like uh, you know is, uh, is is this what I want as a viewer is this what I want as a so I don't know yeah but clearly <laughs> clearly it did go far enough for a lot of people Roy's Roy's a shitbag, man. I get it. I get wanted to see Roy
1: get his, but not yeah, I mean, like you could this. argue that he deserves like it, this. right?
0: Yeah, but like, absolutely, he deserves some kind of justice. But is that what this is? And also, I don't know that my politics is about giving everyone what they deserve. You know, sure. it's yeah. about what you get, what you're entitled to as a human being. And I think even heinous criminals are entitled to humane... Because, like, you know, again, do, do you believe the prison's there for punishment? Do you, do you believe prison is there for reform? Do you think prison is there to just separate and the, the, just a tragically broken and violent population from a peaceful population? Yeah. Um, I think two of those things are, are just and permissible in society. And mm-hmm. one of those is just barbaric and caveman shit. Yeah. So I feel it. Greg says long time, bald move listener here. Like many, I was pained by Whit death and think Noah Holly's decision to kill him was the most thought provoking part of the finale. It's notable that far had three previous standoffs at the Tillman clan, this season where he backed down with Gator in the evidence room with Roy in the hospital and with Gator again, outside the ranch. Of course, in each of those scenarios, Farr was disadvantaged either on crutches or outgunned or outmaneuvered. In the final standoff, he had the advantage over Roy and stood his ground but died. I like Farr's character and do not want to think of him as a coward. Perhaps rather it's a commentary on Farr's unwillingness to cross a threshold into violence to put down a destructive force like Roy who doesn't play by the rules. This may demonstrate Farr's fear of doing what is necessary to stop Roy or his underestimation of Roy we as a society have a similarly difficult time dealing with their real life Roy Tillman's hoping and praying our institutions will contain them and or uh, they will ultimately abide by our rules of democracy despite their outrageousness
1: yeah uh, no I, I agree with this I think there is a sort of and, and I, th- I think rightfully so there is a sort of resistance to sometimes maybe doing what needs to be done um mm. to resist forces that are at odds with with peace and harmony um and that's i, I don't know what the solution is there cuz yeah. look i it's hard to condone using the tools that we're fighting to fight the the tools you know like if violence is the tool do we use violence to fight violent people well you might have to um what does that turn the the quote-unquote good guys into at that point? Um, it's a tough question, but do I think it's better to sometimes go too far in the direction of like violence to preserve a peace, a general peace? Yeah, yeah, I probably agree with that. <laughs>
0: Reminds me of something, I think it's uh, some sort of activist, I think it was a lady, wrote that um, to effectively function in society, you have to be dangerous on some level. Or no, it's it's to be peaceful, you have to be dangerous.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Because if you're not dangerous, you're not peaceful, you're harmless.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And... The person, only a person's capacity of violence and someone who can be a danger to the system can be danger. Those are the only people that can be peaceful, and those are the only people that can get things done in society. Because harmless people, at the end, like, the worst they're going to do is tut tut you. And violent people will just, Hmm. you know, push their way past them, kill them, whatever. So, like, you know, um, I, uh, yeah, I that I resonates that. a lot with me. That like, yes, mm-hmm. I want to be a peaceful person, but I also am capable of you know, uh, like Jesus Christ, peaceful guy, also capable of braiding the whip together and driving out the money changers from his God's from his, his father's house. You know, um, if if Jesus was harmless, he wouldn't have been executed. He wouldn't you know da 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 da. So I, I I think that's a good touchstone, and I think mm-hmm. I think. Mm, yeah, I don't I, it's weird cuz it's not the far's not dangerous. I mean, he effectively uh returned violence in the first encounter with Munch, and he didn't necessarily back down to Roy, but he blinked when he shouldn't have at a crucial time. And I don't know, that that's kind of heroic, you know? Yeah, he
1: he was he was too willing to see another way forward that yeah. was was
0: not actually a way forward because of this violent man. He was committed to seeing his idea of justice done over stopping the bad man, mm-hmm. and like I said, I think that that is there is something um heroic and and being willing to lay down your life uh to make a larger point um
1: yeah, I mean is that is that what Noah goal. Holly is getting at here and saying we all need to fight a little bit harder against this stuff. It's great to get online on Twitter and say. We don't condone this. This is awful behavior, and it will not stand, man. Yeah. And then we sit back and we watch a show like Fargo and don't question whether we should maybe be doing more, maybe be out in the streets protesting,
0: maybe be doing something more active and physical than just...
1: Saying or maybe how talking much we to don't our like neighbors
0: it. instead of isolating ourselves on, online and just arguing with people that we either don't see or don't care about. Or yeah, just I mean that's a way to that combat those a lot of time.
1: For sure, that, that's a way to combat this this festering hatred that's happening. Yeah, uh, but just you know, taking a more active role and doing doing what needs to be done as opposed to sort of paying lip service to it. Where a lot of people here are paying lip service to it. They're like they want to say they are this thing, but then are they really? And
0: what felt like the guy who was, he was just a little too hesitant to do what needed to be done. This goes back to, like, our, you know, the, the, the conversation with John G and the debt and the big society versus global, you know, little, little community versus big society. It's like, we have been accustomed, because we don't live in a medieval village where we just stone people that annoy us. That when we see a person acting crazy or when someone is breaking the the social rules, they're violating the fabric of society, we what are we told by our parents? Like just ignore them. Don't give them the satisfaction. Yeah, the or institutions or, or will call take care the of authorities. Yeah. yeah. But what happens when we've ignored things for decades and it's just gotten instead of, of of shrinking away and finding attention and more healthy, what if they just continue double down and double down and double down? Or what if we call the authorities, but the authorities have kind of been co opted. That's another thing that they never really paid off. The 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 the, the FBI agents accusing their superior mm-hmm. of being, you know, on on Roy's side. What happens if those institutions have been co opted by bad people? Um, that's or, or just so eroded
1: and so so dilapidated that they don't hold up against the latest threat, right?
0: Yeah. Or we're never really designed like, hey, you know, this has sure. always worked yeah. on a handshake and a smile. Why? Why codify it into law? Because that's just going to make it rigid, or rigid, rigid, and more brittle. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm always slightly frustrated with shows like this because I'm always when I'm when I'm going into it, and it's clear they're making a point about stuff. I'm always like, oh, maybe they have like some new answer. Or They've got like some th- wrinkle, and you know that's that's ultimately what's frustrating about Fargo is the same thing as frustrating about The Wire is there isn't an answer there's just a very good prescriptive description of the problem or descriptive uh, uh, description of the problem but there's not there's not like a prescription you know the or the prescription is ludicrous the prescription is give the person a magic
1: biscuit the prescription is right on it's just like there's a process by which you have to like the the employment of that prescription is the problem right like how are you gonna get everybody to love each other when there's
0: hate echo chamber everywhere you have to separate everyone from their echo chamber and individually cook them a biscuit with love. Right. Right. Got to get them away from their group, out of their echo chamber. Completely that goes impossible. for everybody. It goes for everybody, too. Uh, that's everybody's alienated. We have to We have to re-see each other's brothers. It's, it's. Yeah, no, It's. that's not a solution at scales above <laughs> Dot's uh, kitchen table. <laughs> right. And the real solution is so... Like, I, I don't pretend like I have the real
1: solution, but if there is a real solution, it is long term, and it is a massive effort by everyone on this planet to fix these problems, and it's
0: it's not maybe, just maybe a biscuit. Is, maybe he is, because like, if you go down to the basic, why did Munch turn out the way he turned out? Because he was hungry, and he needed food, mm-hmm. and a rich man offered him poison food wouldn't you know like if, if that rich man instead of being like here's some shit food to eat and now you're a, you're something cursed in my eyes this guy's dripping with gold and jewels what if he just gave what if he just gave Munch some beer yeah. and biscuits no sin attached sure so like I mean that's the that's like I there's I don't think you can do anything about the Roy Tillmans I don't think you can do anything about the Gators but you can do things for like the Scotties of the world you can make sure that they have food when they go to school, so they're not hungry in class. You can make sure that their buildings are air-conditioned. You can, you know, if you want to go on a full-blown fucking socialism, you can talk about maybe giving people healthcare, maybe making sure there's a a minimum starvation kind of, like, diet that everyone's entitled to, and some kind of minimal form of housing over there. If you could do that, then in a generation or two, you would have much less Roys and Mm -hmm. Gators and even Munches running around fucking things up. Because... You know, that that, that stuff that, 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 that uh, the, the Roy's of the world talk about. Like, you had your heritage stolen from you. You have no one to trust and there's no one that's got your back. It's a dog-eat-dog dog world. You gotta be out there cold, huddling around the fire bin because that's the way the world's They'd be like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, even if... I, I was from a broken home, but the state came in, made sure I, my belly was full and I had a roof over my head and I wasn't s- sent to some foster family to fuck me up. Like, we can build positive... Relationships with people and their um, And their society If not their communities like my society Has my back we can scale The village up to a societal Global level but Probably won't have as many rich People with gold dripping off their fingers and Jewels hanging around their neck and Multi-million dollar yachts and things like That you know we'll have to make sacrifices What I'm saying
1: and by <laughs> yeah, we so I mean a very
0: small percentage yeah. Um, so yeah I, I, I maybe that's what he's pointing out it's like yeah if, if, that, if he just got a fucking bisquick biscuit cooked with love back in 1500 he would have been mm-hmm. rampaging in 2020, 2019 so maybe that's the point he's making we should yeah we should be more generous as a society we should rebuild the, the village ethic as a society but yeah how to do that Well, that's how thing, to get everybody right? on board I... with doing that in the democratic society because there's other people there's the Roy Tillmans are saying well you're going to make people even weaker the problems we've got are going to be even more severe. If just everyone just like gets a basic standard of living for free, why it, would anyone work? Why are you working, Roy? You you got a big ass ranch. You could have stopped. You know, it's like, why, why, does the, why do the billionaires keep working? If it's just sure. to make money, they would have yeah. stopped as soon as they got them and their heirs in perpetuity cared for, right? There's other reasons that people work. And Contribute to society besides
1: fucking money. Well, that's the thing contributing to society. I never I've never understood this uh, Kind of uh, you know clear-eyed assessment of the way the world is well It's dog eat dog, and I got to get mine, and I'm gonna screw over whoever I need to because that's the way the world is well Are you are, are you just interested in preserving the way the world is or are you interested in making it a better place? Because we can we have that power we have the power to change things about this world, and if you're not interested in changing things for the better, then get out of the way of the people who are. We don't need you.
0: Yeah, it's but it's. So, I understand why it's attractive, because if you take humans out of the world, it is the way the world is. Absolutely. Like a gazelle <laughs> is never going to talk their way out of the jaws of a lion... Because the lion's got to eat. And sure. It's and crush it's a giant throat. entropy
1: machine, and we're all going to die eventually in the heat death of the universe. Why are but you like, doing anything in that case? But like, just Sit even down and at die. Sit history. down and fucking die.
0: You know? Yeah. Just that's a recent history, and, and how, like, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems patently obvious that we can make things better. But people want to just yes. go back to nature red and tooth and claw and you're never going to beat it you might be able to cheat entropy for a generation or two but it's all going to come back when you've made a whole generation of soft men and they're going to get taken over by the hard men it's just i mean it's it's a fucking compelling narrative it seems like it's (laughs) based it's it's it it, i think so yeah especially if you especially if you've been shit well you I don't know, I feel like if you've really truly been shit on your whole life, and you come from nothing, and sure. it's so unfair and so hard, that it, that is, like, that, that's an appealing, especially if you have gotten to the top of that heap somehow, and mm-hmm. you have to feel guilty about surviving, you don't, you didn't, you didn't survive, or, you know, you, you won, you know, it's a different way to frame it, and I don't know how you, you unframe, because yeah, it just seems like any honest person that's paid attention to the last few hundred years of human history could see, no, we can make enormous progress. We can elevate people out of poverty. We can elevate people by the billions out of uh out of ignorance um, but it is expensive it isn't cheap work but it i I argue it's cheaper than than just this patchwork duct tape bailing wire thing that we've got going on right now, but a lot of people disagree, which is why we're going through what we're going through, and we just have to get out there and uh be the Dots and wanes we want to see in the world, I guess. Uh, I think that's going to do it for Fargo. Uh, once again, I invite you to join us for True Detective. We got a couple of really cool... Well, we got one really good show and one pretty bad show. It's coming in February. We're got the. we putting The Walking Dead to bed. I, I, we've said this three times now, Jim. I'm starting to think we're liars. There's we're no guarantee this is going to be, be bad. It's true, and actually, the trailers look like big-budget Walking Dead, which is kind of what we've been calling for the whole fucking time. And if it is bad, that might just be good. (laughs) We are well, yeah, our pinchant for for, for, uh, dragging out and beating the things that we don't like. Uh, It turns out people like that about our coverage of The Walking Dead. So we got that. Also, we're probably, I think, going to be looking at... um, Uh, uh, Shogun which I know if you're a Mm -hmm. Fargo fan you must have seen the trailers for it it's a beloved novel Uh, it was already beloved miniseries in the 80s it's my dad's personal favorite novel I'm excited to see it Um, and we're going to be doing that in uh, February as well so if this is uh, where you get off on Fargo there's tons of stuff the Bald Move will be continuing please follow us on our social medias at Bald Move everywhere and then if you have liked our coverage Uh, If you like our slightly skewed, perhaps critical way to look at uh, entertainment, uh, we could use your support, Support support.baldmove.com. We are independent creators. We're not affiliated or mobbed up with nobody. It's just me and Jim and our producer, Talitha, in the Midwest, although she is in California, full disclosure. (laughs) Uh, And we're just just, just making it here in the the wide world of podcasts. Uh, We'd appreciate your support, and you get a lot of cool stuff, ad-free feeds, chief among them, uh, by going to support.baldmove.com. Thanks again for listening to us this whole season. We really appreciate it. Appreciate everyone's feedback and thoughts. And I, for one, hope no, uh, Noah Holly finds a way to get inspiration for season five or season six of Fargo or anything. Like, I'm kind of down for to see anything that Holly comes up with. Um, so, yeah, hope to see you on maybe The Walking Dead or maybe True Detective or maybe uh, Shogun in the near future if not i hope you find your way to bald move sometime soon until the next time i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya